What's up, Repraise family? We are back with another Bible study message for you. And this message is the start and kickoff of a new series that we will be in as a ministry journeying through the book of Acts. This first message is being delivered by Sean Pierce, who takes a look at the first two chapters in the book of Acts, where he is strictly teaching from the text while also pulling out principles that we can learn and understand in our modern day time. We truly hope and pray that you journey with us through this book of Acts and this first message resonates with you and empowers you. I'm going to say up front that this new series is going to be different. It's going to be different than, than usual. All right. So usually you get the three point, one point, two point. Um, you get the topical messages. That's about a topic. It's surrounded about uh, around a theme or something that uh, we really want to uh, break down and talk about as a family. Uh, but this series is going to be um, in a way of expository. So it's going to be us really diving just in the text and really looking at the text from what the text gives us uh, to really be able to talk about uh, the book of Acts. Now, before I even jump into this, um, just to make sure we're all on the same page and we all been journeying together, can anybody that's not Kaya um, give me our theme? Like, what, what is our theme for this year? Does anybody remember the theme? You can come off mute. You can throw it in the chat. Like, what's been our theme for this year? Does anybody remember the theme? I hope you do, because we've been stressing it so much this year. What, what's the theme? Anybody remember it? What is our theme? Don't let me down. Y'all are going to Okay, wait. I'm going to, I want to give it a try. I can't remember if it was, like, getting back to, like, oh, man. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna help you out, nurse. Oh, you. Man. <laughs> it's like something intended to be. I just can't. We're almost there. Like becoming, <laughs> becoming the church God intended us to be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I've been gone, you guys. I've been gone, but I I remember. <laughs> Come through. Yes, that is it. And so, Ron Pace was last year, sis. Um, but I'm glad that you remember that though. And so. That's still that's still good. And so this is another reason why I felt that we needed to in this season after the sabbatical time after me and Angie got rest and kind of a lot of people on the team were able to take their sabbaticals and get rest um, that we should come back and really unpack this thing that we kind of talked about. We've been throwing it in there here and there. But this is the, the time of the year where we're going to really focus on the theme. We're really going to break down the theme and really look at the book of Acts from literally uh, the first chapter all the way through the last chapter of the book of Acts, really just talking about that and that is it. And so um, I want to express and make sure that we understand that, again, this is not going to be your um, three-point message. Like, this is not going to be... Um, you know, the ones where you get a lot, you're going to get some practicality. You're going to get some, uh, some ways to apply what we're talking about, but it's not going to be the same. And so I want us to to um, embrace it. Also, we're going to have to be mature about it because as we look through this text, again, it's going to be us going line by line, precept by precept, really understanding um, the writer's vision on what um, he's writing, on what he's saying, but also we will pull out surrounding the topic of this year the theme of this year becoming the church that god intended and things that we can take from what luke is talking about um to apply to our daily lives to truly become the church to truly become the body of christ to be 
all that God has called us to be, to become all that God has called us to become, to really go out and do what we were commanded, what we were commissioned to go and do, which is spread the gospel, right? Which is um, be the love, be the hands and feet of Jesus in this earth. And so I'm super excited about this. Um, this isn't my main way of, of teaching or, or, or giving words. And so I'm excited about that as well. It's going to be a challenge for us all. Um, but I know that we're equipped. I know that Holy Spirit um, is going to speak and is going to give us the ability to journey through this, to really grow and really be able to leave this series almost at the end of the year um, and go out and really um, going into this next year, really work on the things in which um, are the answers to really what we want to see happen in the earth, but we don't have the practicality and the ability to understand how to do that. And so I, that's my hope for this series, right? And so um, let's pray and we're going to jump in. And so we'll bow our head and close our eyes. Before we do that, I want to shout out all the people, um, all our leadership team that have been uh, taking care of everything, have been running um, the show and getting everything taken care of. And shout out to all y'all that talked while we were gone. Um, Elaine coming here with a message, Kaya coming here, Jordan obviously coming here with a message. And so Gio, um, all the leadership team that came in and shared and uh, took the time to prepare and doing y'all's thing. And so we just want to say thank you to y'all as well and to the family. We missed y'all. Um, we hope that uh, we all can meet together soon uh, to share in fellowship in person. And so uh, let's jump in. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, first and foremost for today, God. We thank you, God, for being who you are, for being our father, for being um, a provider, for being the creator, for being um, all that you are to us, God. And we just are grateful and thankful for your love, for your joy, for your strength, for your peace. We're thankful for your salvation, for your restoration, for your favor. God, we thank you for just who you continue to be to us, Lord God. And we are forever grateful, Lord God, for if you literally never did another thing for us, God, you've done so much more than we literally could even ask, think, or imagine, God, you've done, Lord God, from the times in which it was something that was that we would say is small, but was really uh, big in our lives, Lord God, to the things in which we've seen uh, you do that was that was just out of our mind, that we sometimes didn't even think would happen, God, that you've come in and done in our lives, what you showed us in other people's lives, of just how good you are. And God, we just want to honor you and glorify your name. And God, I pray that as we enter this series, Lord God, as we enter this time of looking at your word, I pray that you would allow for us to divide um, those that are teaching your word uh, uh, rightfully, Lord God, allow for us to truly be able to understand what it is that you want us as a family to understand about becoming all that you call for us to become as your church. And God, I'm praying that you would just um, allow for our hearts, our minds to be open to, to the correction, to the um, encouragement, to the application of what you're going to show us throughout this text. And God, I just thank you. I love you. I honor you. I glorify your name. And God, I pray that you would get all the glory, all the honor. And God, that you would uh, anoint me, give me the grace to be able to do what you called uh, for me to do on today. And we will leave here better than we came. In Jesus' name we pray. Um, amen. And so, listen. Um, as we talk about the book of Acts, right? So before I even get into like the scripture, before I even get into um, all of that, I really just want to talk about just, um, and can y'all hear me well? It's saying I need to check my mic. Can y'all hear me pretty well? Yeah. Cool. All right. And so when we think about the book of Acts, the first thing that we want to know about this is it's a narrative. So when we think about a narrative, it's it's Luke telling a story, telling his story of the account that he um, had with what happened um, 
when Jesus is leaving. Um, and also this could be looked at as a continuation of what he wrote in the book of Luke. And so he does cover some things at the beginning of the book of Acts that we can literally take from the book of Luke that he wrote to the same person. And so uh, we see this as we open up this book that it's to a person that he's writing to one um to someone we don't know the connection that they had but we do know he's writing to a person so it's a narrative right so with a narrative we do have to be careful on how we dissect a narrative because remember it's a story so it's a story that um is told by individual to give us an account on what happened right so it's not literally doctrine like it's not written to give us a doctrine but it's written to give us the account of what happened Right. And so we can take principles, we can take things from it, but we just have to be careful how we're talking about it. Because again, it's not um, it's not a lot of commands. It's not a lot of like this is what has to be done, but it does give us a picture on what it looked like when it was when um, the original church, when the when the birth of the church was successful and doing things, how they were led by the Holy Spirit to do. All right. And so I want to put that out there first uh, that so that we can understand and also dive into reading the Bible and reading it in a way um, that we can understand it from how God wanted us to. Right. And so not reading into it what we wanted, what we wanted to tell us, but reading what God wrote. So we'll understand what he intended for us. All right. And so I want to lay that out first. And so when we dive into the book of Acts, um, again, there's two things I want to really get out of today. First, I want to introduce the series. I want to introduce what we are we're coming to actually take care of through this whole time we're going to be journeying together. The second thing I want to do is I want to definitely teach from the text and pull out in an expository way, line by line, precept by precept on what the writer was trying to get to us, but also at the same time, pull principles that we see in the text um, to give us the ability to learn from our theme of becoming the church that God intended so that when we leave this, we not just get the understanding of the book of Acts, but we also get understanding uh, of principles and things that we can apply to our lives um, that was successful for the first church that was that they did being led by the spirit that we should apply in our lives that would give us the same fruit that they received. Right. And so that's what I want to do on today. And so let's start right now. Let's just open it up. And so when we jump into the book of Acts and we start right in the first chapter, um, let's start reading right here. And so it says in my first book, which, again, the book of Luke, I told you, uh, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit, right? So we see who he's writing through. He's writing to Theophilus, which is, again, someone that he wrote to in the book of Luke, right? And so um, he's writing to him, and he starts his book off by saying, I've already wrote to you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. Um, and he gave his chosen apostles, the 12 disciples, um, further instructions through the Holy Spirit. Uh, then he goes on to, to verse three, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. All right. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now I want to pause right here and also make a point that um, when, when Jesus died, right. And, and God rose him from the dead, he came to his 12 that had been journeying with him many times to prove to them that he was actually alive, right? And so I, I love to see the humanity in scripture, right? Because sometimes we get just so spiritual about what we read that we take the fact that these were humans that had just seen the Messiah that they was journeying with go and die a death on the cross 
to be sped on, to be treated, to be humiliated, to be uh, 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 to his clothes, to be stripped in his clothes, to be gambled over, to to him dying and being put in a, in a in a tomb, in a borrowed tomb, to now being risen by God, something that he told him would happen, to him now having to come and prove to them, like, listen, I am alive. This is me. I told y'all this was about to happen. I'm him. But I want us to focus on what Jesus was telling them when he was coming to prove to them that he's him. He was talking about the kingdom of God. So he was coming to give them the ability to understand God's message to him on what he was to give to us so that we can understand when he leaves what should be our focus. Now, I want you to pay close attention to that. Hold on to that. And, and I want to, again, show our humanity and show us how sometimes we look just like the disciples, right? So he says that he's coming to talk to them about the kingdom of God. And he says in verse four, once when we were when we were eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends uh, you the gift he promised, um, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? So we remember um, Jesus saying this in the book of John, right? He said this in the book of John, where he told him, hey, I'm going to be leaving you soon, but do not do not feel troubled. Don't trip because um, my father is going to give us the Holy Spirit. He's going to send you all the Holy Spirit um, that is going to teach you, that is going to lead you, that is going to comfort you um, on this earth. Right. And so he tells Luke tells us, hey, once we we're eating, Jesus told them, don't leave Jerusalem until the father, the father sends you the gift he promised you. And so. Just imagine this. Just imagine you sitting at the table with Jesus and he's instructing you to go to the place that you've journeyed with him in Jerusalem where you've seen him uh, uh, be, uh, you've seen him be who he said he was. He was healing. He was teaching. He was doing all these things. Um, he went to Golgotha, which which uh, I looked this up and I was trying to see what this actual was. Some say it was right outside of Jerusalem. Some say it was right in Jerusalem. And so whether or not either or, he did all of these things in Jerusalem. He's telling them, hey, go back to Jerusalem and you have to wait. Don't leave there until you get what was promised. Remember the humanity. Like, let's not get outside of these people are human. And so he tells them, hey, don't leave Jerusalem. I've told you all this. Hey, John baptized with water. But just in a few days, you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right. And then verse six. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, this is where I want to go back to verse um, three and think about what Jesus, every time he came and met with him, what was Jesus's goal? What was he doing? His goal was to tell them about the kingdom of God, to give them instruction, to give them a correction, to help them to understand what his focus was. His focus was the kingdom of God, the advancement of the kingdom, the, the, the coming of the kingdom of God, the, the institutional uh, of the kingdom of God coming to earth. And so that was his mission. His mission was to talk about the kingdom. And then think about then what Luke lets us know, that when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept on talking about their kingdom. Hey, when is... Like, is this the time that 
you come to like free Israel and restore our kingdom? Like, is this a time where you come to put Rome in a place and give us the kingdom back? Like, is this a time that you come to, to, to help us to get what we deserve back, to get your original people back in place to run things? And I want us to see this again from humanity's perspective that like, listen, Jesus is talking to them about what God, his father has sent him to do to talk to them about the kingdom of God, about what really matters. But their focus is on their kingdom. Their focus is on you coming to restore our kingdom and put us back in place so that we can be rulers, so that we can so that we can run the show. And I wanted us to look at this because I think many times, if we even look at what, what Jesus replied to them, if we miss the mark on understanding what's important, we focus on, what we need to get and how we need to be blessed and how we need to get our kingdom, our plan, our will accomplished instead of focusing on what Jesus has, has really sent us in the world to do as his hand and his feet. And so listen, listen to what he said after this. He said, he replied, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times and they are not known. They are not for you to know. So I know you, you want your will. I know you want your plan. You want your kingdom. Like you want, it to go your way. But if you focus on it being your way, you miss out on his way. And I, I want to question us, like how many of us are so focused on our will, on our kingdom, that we're missing the fact that Jesus came to give us the ability to live out what he instructed us to do to be in the kingdom of God, how he called us to live and how he, how he commissioned us to act and how he wanted us to to live within the kingdom that God told him to come establish which was God's kingdom like what is our focus is our focus about our kingdom or is our focus about God's kingdom because and the way that we can tell is based on our day-to-day -day actions based on how we go about living what is our actions what are we doing what what are we aiming for what is our motives about how we go about things and so I kind of want to want to pause right there and just give us the ability to sit down and kind of think about that. Like, what kingdom are you really living for? What kingdom are you really focused on? Are we focused on the kingdom of God? Or are we focused on our own? Is our is our is our passion and our motives aimed toward uh, uh, God's kingdom or is it, is it aimed toward our own? Like, is this about what we do and about what our will and about what our plan is? Or is it about, and it's all for us to think about because it's so easy to slip in to wanting to hone in and think about our kingdom and forgetting God's. And so I want to put it out there. Now, he, he says in verse seven, the father alone has authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. So. And then he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. and You'll be my witnesses, telling people about uh, about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so he says, listen, I know that you're worrying about your kingdom. But I know you're worrying about me coming back and destroying and doing all of these things. But your focus is not about me coming back and, 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 and taking over and, and establishing a new kingdom and all that. That's not the focus. The focus is the mission in which God has has established you to go on. It's about the calling that he's given you, which is to go out and, and, and spread the gospel. It's about you to go out 
and share the good news with others. It's about you to go out and share the love that you've received from, from me. It's about you go out through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not about your kingdom. It's not about what you want. It's not about your, it's not about your will. It's not about your plans. The goal of why you're becoming the church that God intended is to be able to go out and be the church that God intended. It's not for me and you to, to, to have our own will, have our own way, have our own uh, um, agenda to how we want things to go. So the big question is, where is your focus? And it's easy for all of our focus to, to, to waver and go different directions. Like even, even also in this, like, so he says, it's not for you to know, like you're not gonna know the time and the day that it's gonna happen for me to come back and do everything that you want me to do right now. Like I'm going up to be with my father. I'm not doing what you want right now. I am gonna come back and I'm gonna get my people. Like that's gonna all happen, but that's not for you to be focusing on. It's not your focus. Like you're not gonna know the time and the day. Our focus has to be on God's agenda, on kingdom business. Our focus can't be on things that are going to come or things that are not, that God never even told us, our will and our emotions are what we want. And so that's a big thing. That it, it's, it's a big thing for us to think about because, again, it's so easy for us to, to lose sight of what really matters. It's so easy for us to lose sight on what God really has called us to do. It's so easy for us to lose sight on the direction and the path that God really has us on. And for us to waver and start trying to predict the day and trying to come up with, with, with what we really want to happen. It's so easy. And so the, the, the encouragement, the challenges for us to refocus our, our, our thoughts and refocus our agendas and refocus our plans to being the kingdom plan, not Deshaun, Kaya, Destiny, Narissa plan. And so let's move forward. And so it says, verse nine, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. Um, and as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two uh, robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken away, uh, taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him leave. And so they go from asking Jesus all these questions like, man, when are, when are you going to, are you coming to restore the kingdom now? Like, is that, is that what's important? Are you coming to actually take care of things now? And Jesus says, no, listen, you don't know the, the, those dates, those times, and they're not even for you to know. But what you need to know is the Holy Spirit is about to come upon you and you are, and your commission to go share the gospel, your commission to go out and be witnesses, telling people about Jesus. I don't even know why I want to harp on that. Like, let's go back. And so Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is about to come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. To do what? To tell people about Jesus everywhere. Like, that's the mission. The mission is to go tell Jesus about, or tell people about Jesus everywhere. And, and remember, let's look at this as well. I want to go back. He says, tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem. Remember where he's sending them back to. He says, hey, go back to Jerusalem and don't leave there until you get the Holy Spirit. So when you get the Holy Spirit, I want you to share in the town that you're in. That's going to be the first place you share. 
share where you're where you're located. And then from there, once you're sharing where you're located, as you move about outside of Jerusalem, going to Judea or in Samaria, I want you to stretch out and share there as well. But the focus is to share where you are now. The focus isn't to reach like, yeah, we want to all reach the nations, but are you even sharing where you are now? Like, are you even sharing in the places that you're that you've been sent that you reside currently? Are you even doing that? And then as you go, you will share in all of those that you brought to the ability to, to accept salvation in where you're at, will be able to go and share as well. But are we even focusing on Jerusalem? Where we're at, where we're located, where he sent us. And so um, after he's ascends, they're staring two men come and tell and tell them, hey, listen, why are you still staying? Why are you still staring at Jesus? He's gone. He's he going to be with his father. It's time for you to go do the work. It's time for you to go to where he's told you to go. And so we pick up in 12, right? And so in 12, he says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. They, they obeyed, turned to Jerusalem, or returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance, um, a, um, a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, James, and Simeon, uh, or I'm sorry, Simon and Judas. And they all met together and were consistently united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. I want to pause here. So they go and obey. And again, I love the humanity of this, because think about this. Think about the fact that they were talking with Jesus. He was telling them about the kingdom. Then he tells them, listen, I know you want your will. You know, you want you want things to happen um, how you want it to happen, but it's not going to happen in your time. And it's when you don't know the time and you don't know the day, but like, you are going to have the Holy Spirit. Like the, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're going to go and share the gospel, the good news. You're going to go be witnesses to others about me. They see him ascend. This is not a dream for them. Like they are seeing him ascend. So much so that they are literally staring like trying to get the last little bit before they not see him again. And they still looking for two men to be like, listen, he gone. He going to come back. He is coming back, but he gone. To now they're, they're, they're walking to where he told him, to, where Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem. They go up into a room. And they're, what they decide to do is to come together to pray. Think about how antsy they are. Like, think about maybe a little confusion, a little excitement. Like, think about where they are as humans and what they decide to go and do. They decide to go up in this room and pray. We don't know what they were praying about, but I think this is a great principle to bring out that a big part of us becoming the God in church, the, the becoming the church that God intended is two things. Two things has to be important. Unity, coming together as one, but also coming together as one, being intentional in our communion together 
in our communion of prayer together as one, but also individually. And the question for us is, do you seek unity? And are you intentional about not just praying in your own one-on-one -on -one time, but coming together for prayer? Y'all know we have prayer a lot. We pray a lot. We pray on Wednesdays. We pray on Sundays. We pray on Thursdays. We pray. But if we're a part of this community, are we intentional about living in unity, but also coming together, speaking to God together as we do as we do by ourselves? I think that this shows as a church, like, listen, remember, they are probably excited. They just seen Jesus going to and into ascending to heaven. Like he's been telling them he's that he's gonna do this. They now go to Jerusalem and now they're sitting upstairs in a room. They could be doing just about anything. Like they are human, remember this. But they decide that if they're gonna be up there together, that what they need to do is pray. And I want to encourage us that as we are one, as we are becoming a church that God intended, that we have to make these two things important to us as they were important to these. So that as they were important to the ones that begin the new age church, that begin to, to, to walk into God's instruction as far as becoming a church. It was important to them to unite and pray. And it has to be important to us as well. Now, it goes from there to uh, verse 15 says, during a time when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. Prophecy had to be fulfilled uh, concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry of us. I think that also sitting here, this is something I wanted to share about this, that this section of the text, I love it because it shows us something that I feel like as a body, as a church, we struggle with. We struggle with telling the truth. And while we tell the truth about the situation, still being able to hold the truth about the great, the good things that the dude or the people have done. Like the truth about like what happened, the decisions somebody made, you know, the faults that they made, the backsliding that happened, the bad decisions that happened, and still be able to hold the truth that they still were, they still did great things. They still did good things. Usually, and I've done it as well, somebody do something crazy. And the first thing we do is we throw away we tell the truth and we throw them away. Like we, we tell the truth about it, but we have no grace. And we don't hold the truth that they still did great things. You know, somebody get caught stealing. The truth of the matter is you stole. That's just what it just, that's the truth. And for the last 15 years, you've been blessing people with all of these things like you've been a hand to the community if you're a preacher like you've been preaching all these sermons so many people that came to christ like all these different things that that you've done great we throw that away with your fault with the mistake that you made as if we don't make mistakes as well 
that in reality we should be throwing away about. I love that 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 Peter does this, that he says, listen, yeah, Judas did what he did. Like he did, he did go and 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 betray, not betray, he abandoned and 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 did Jesus wrong. Like he did do this. That's the truth. And the last sentence says, Judas was one of us and sharing the ministry with us as well, though. Like all that stuff that we've done with Jesus, Judas was with us. Like he shared in, 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 in doing all the great things that we were able to do with Jesus. And I wanted to put that out to us because I think that as a body, as a church, we have to learn, first of all, that we all make mistakes. We all do things that we all should be thrown away for. But Peter showed us that the mistake you make, the things that you do, it doesn't discredit all the stuff that you did do in the kingdom. It doesn't discredit the great things that you did do. It doesn't have to define who that person is. Like, yes, he did bad. Yes, he made a mistake. And we shouldn't throw him away. If he chooses to walk away and, and leave Christ, that's his decision. But us as a body, we have to hold the truth on one hand and still give grace and hold the truth of who that what all that person still has done and who they were before they did what they did. We have to stop loving some loving people one one second and then when they do something wrong, we tell the truth and now we throw them away. Like we can't do that. We just can't. It's not our decision on where they end up, what they go and do after, but it should be our decision to still love and show grace to those same people because we are the same people that need grace and love shown to us. And so that's just, it was just beautiful for Peter to do this. For somebody that we talk about all the time, Judas, like you don't never see it. You don't never hear a good, a good sermon about Judas. You don't never hear one. But he was in the 12. Like he was a part of the 12 disciples that we talk about, but one of them we talk, you don't never hear nothing good about. And yes, he did bad things, but he was a part of the 12. Think about that. How many people do we throw away? that Jesus looked at in a total different way that he chose him to be a part of the 12. He had to be of some significance. He could have chose anybody else to be a part of the 12. Remember there was a whole 170 that was still following Jesus that were not a part of that 12 though. Who are we to write somebody off and we don't know the significance that they are to Jesus and we write them off because of something they did. You don't have to mess with them. You don't got to be best friends with them. But who are we to basically condemn them, to basically send them and, and write them off because of something that they did? I just want to put that out there. Because it's something that we all, I know I've done, and we have to be careful.
All right. And so let's move forward. And so, um, again, Peter continues to be honest about the situation. He says, Judas has bought a field with the money he received for his treasury. Falling head first, he split open. He just was so like explicit here. But anyway, his body split open, spilling out all his intestines. The news of the, of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place uh, the uh, Aramaic um, Ar the Aramaic name uh, the Aramaic name, um, which means field of blood. Peter continued. This was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, "Let his home become." Uh, desolate with no one living in it and also says let someone else take his position and so again peter is being super honest about what what happened he's being honest about the situation and from there they transition to replacing judas with another individual so he says so now we must choose a replacement for judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the lord jesus from the time he was baptized by John into the day he was taken from us. So I do want to mention, and this is kind of like a leadership thing. Like I do want to mention that the, the people that they selected, that people that they selected from, it was people that had the, the, the ability to see the journey from Jesus' baptism until he died and resurrected. And I think that there's some, some significance there that the people that they chose to come into being a disciple to take Judas's place, it was somebody that had been on the journey with him. Like it was somebody that had seen Jesus, that had knew about the life that he lived, that had seen him live the life that he did, seen all the miracles, all the, the things that he did for other people. Like they had the ability to see that. And I think that's some significance there. Because it also shows us just not in just leadership in the church, but also just period when it comes to um, and like pulling people up for leadership and 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 bringing people into um, a leadership type atmosphere that we have to be careful that when we do so, we're doing so from a place of being led from 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 uh, not like saying that they have to be perfect, but somebody that that has the capacity to know like the mission, the capacity to hold the mission that Jesus gave, right? The person that they brought up was going to have to be somebody that was going to have to be a part of making decisions and, 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 and leading the mission that Jesus had, had, had given them to do. And so I think it's just some significance there when it talks about the fact that the person that they brought up was from among the men who were with them the entire time with, the, with, when traveling with the Lord Jesus, from the time he was baptized by John until the time that he was taken up. I think that's that's really significant that he mentions this. Right? And so um, it says in verse 23, so they nominated two men, uh, Joseph, uh, some called uh, Barsabbas, and Matthias as well. And then they all prayed. So they chose two men, and then they prayed about it. So this is significant as well. Because I think also in making choices, especially when we're talking about kingdom choice and about, about leadership and about bringing people into the mission, into the call that, that God has given um, us, I think it's important as well that we don't bring in without still submitting it to God's will, still submitting it to wanting to know what God is, is really saying, like who he wants to be a part of it. 
right? And so that's something for me as well. And I think it's something for all of us that we can take, not just from a leadership perspective, but just from a life perspective, that when we are making decisions, when it comes to the kingdom, when it comes to doing different things, that even when we feel like we know, we should still submit it to God's will. Like, what are you saying about this, God? And so it says that they prayed, oh, Lord, you know every heart. Show us which one of these men you have chosen. Um, and as, as an apostle to replace Judas in the ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. All right. And so in chapter one, the biggest things, the biggest takeaways from chapter one is number one, um, this is the beginning of what we know as what's about to take place for the church to actually begin. Like, this is like the beginning things. This is what happened as far as them seeing them talking with Jesus, them having to get like a, a correction on what's important. It's the kingdom of God that's important. Like, it's not about your kingdom. I am going to come back. Things are going to happen like you remember them, like you've read from the Old Testament. But the big thing that you need to focus on is the kingdom mission, the kingdom of God. It's not for you to focus on your will, your way, what you want to happen. Then they go and they come together as people in a, in a room in Jerusalem and they're praying. They're in unity. They're praying about what was to come. They're praying about uh, whatever Holy Spirit led for them to pray. And now they are putting together the plan, the people in which they're about to go and do the mission that God has called them to do. And then we get to, to the uh, second book of Acts. So this right here, uh, which we all know as far as the Holy Spirit coming. So it, it starts off in chapter two, it says on the day of Pentecost, right? On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the, like a, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. And so they've been waiting on the Holy Spirit to fall on them. They've been waiting to be filled and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It happens on the day of Pentecost. Now, one thing I want to mention in this is how it reads. It's like an all thing like, okay, wait. So a roaring, uh, a sound from heaven, like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, filled the house. Something that looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Like this is an, an all thing, right? It's something that it should be like looked at as something that's amazing, right? This is an experience that they, that they got to experience that literally set up us being able to be filled and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so it's an all thing, but I, I want to like make sure that we don't just look at the all thing and forget what this how how significant this is. Like this is the beginning of the church. Like this is what allowed for all of these people to be saved for the gospel to be preached for the first time. Like this is literally the first time that we get to see a sermon that Jesus didn't preach like being preached to people and people coming to Christ. And so, although this is like an all moment, like I would have loved to be in this room, like 
this would have been cold. And also, let us not get stuck on the all moment, but on how significant this is to the body of Christ, that this is the first time that the Holy Spirit has come and has not just rested on somebody, but they have been filled with the Holy Spirit for the work of ministry. And so um, it says, at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation. So I want to go back as well. And so, um, and everyone present was filled. Now, the everyone present was filled is also significant to me because there was women in the room. It says there were men and women, 120 plus people in that room. And everyone in the room was filled. And so this goes against those thoughts of like, you know, do God use women? Like, are women important? Yes. They're so important in ministry, in us becoming the church that God intended. That they were literally filled in the same room these men were. And were used in the same way these men were for 3,000 plus people to come to Christ. That's significant to me. So just want to point that out. And so it says, at the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. So they're filled. Once they're they're baptized, they're filled, which are two different things. Which I'm going to go into a, a little bit like they're baptized and they're filled. With the Holy Spirit, which gives them the ability to speak, not in uh, uh, um, unknown languages, but in languages that are known. They are speaking languages that other people know that they are not known to speak. the other people hear this and come running and look what they say it says uh they were completely amazed how can this be these people are from galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native tongues so holy spirit they're baptized they're filled they begin speaking in known languages they just weren't languages that they knew, but Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in these languages so that other people could experience the goodness of God and the good news. And so they were completely amazed. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own languages. Here we are, uh, Parthians, Medes. Um, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, of Asia, uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, uh, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts from Judaism, uh, from Judaism to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about. 
about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. So I want to make something practical about this. And so again, remember, they're baptized, they're filled, they speak in unknown languages. The Holy Spirit uses them to speak to people in languages that they normally don't speak in. But again, let's not get let's not let's not get um so awestruck about what happened or how it happened, but let's get let's also be settled in what happened. Holy Spirit used them to speak the goodness of God to other people that led them to come and be amazed and perplexed at what Holy Spirit was doing. Through the power, the empowerment, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit, they did a thing that brought other people to see how it was how they were able to do a thing. For those people to then ask, how could this be? Now there's something else we have to understand when we are being, when we're partnering with the Holy Spirit and He's using us to do whatever it is. If it is to speak in a in a in a language that we don't know, to speak in tongues, in a language that we don't know, that is a language that other people do know. Like if that is your experience, I pray it is to be, I pray that you, that it does happen. But that doesn't mean that that's the only way the Holy Spirit can use us to get the attention of other people. And the purpose of sharing the good news of what God has done. Like I want to make sure that we don't get lost in the in the in the allness of what happened, which to me is like, oh my goodness, like they literally spoken in languages that they did not know to people that knew them languages. But the thing I really want us to take home from this when we're talking about becoming the church that God intended was Holy Spirit use them to do a thing to get the attention to be able to help to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To now spread the good news. For those people to be like, man, how is this happening? Like, what is going on? Now, at the same time that there was people that was like, man, what is going on? Like, how is this happening? How are they talking in our languages? There were also other people that was like, man, these folks drunk. These folks got to be drunk. And what I wanted to say with this part is this. When we are doing the work of ministry, when we are being the church that God intended, we have to remember and be aware. It's not something to be surprised by that everybody you encounter that does, some will have like the, what is going on? Like, why are you that happy? Why do you have that much joy? Why are you, why do you, why are you blessed like that? Like, why do you have the marriage that you have? Like, how did you come up from where you used to be? Like, I remember you back from back then. Like, how did you get to the place that you are now? These are all things that, that Holy Spirit is doing, right? These are all things that that situations where Holy Spirit, I don't know about in y'all's life, but I know in my life, the Holy Spirit has, has, has like put together. And then in my heart, I'm like, man, I'm supposed to share with these folks. And I need to give them the gospel. Like I need to talk to them about the goodness of God because that's why I'm, I'm where I am. That's why I have what I have. 
But at the same time, there are going to be some people that are skeptical or that just are just not wanting to receive what they see. They see it. They know it's amazing. But somewhere in their heart, it's just hardened towards it. They don't want to hear all that. You're too loud. They just crazy. And we have to deal with the tension of both. But there's something I want to take from this that, that Peter literally does that I think is amazing that we fail to do sometime. I know I have. Peter doesn't argue with these people that, that just have a hard heart. He doesn't sit there and go tit for tat with people that don't want to hear it. That are not asking, how can this be? But they're making the statement that this ain't real. You just crazy. You drunk. You just drunk. He doesn't argue with them. Let's look at it. He says, it says, but others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk. That's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. Listen carefully. Now, I want to also mention this. Peter's confidence and that comes from the empowerment that he just received from the Holy Spirit, from the feeling that he just received, from the baptism that he just received. Remember Peter. It's the same Peter that just chapters ago denied that he even knew Jesus. But now he sees what the Holy Spirit has done. He's brought all of these people to Jerusalem, to where he's at, to where they're at in Jerusalem. And now he has the boldness and the confidence to now step forward when he sees two things happening. On one hand, people are like, what is going on? On the other hand, people are like, y'all drunk. Look what Peter does, though. He says, listen carefully. All of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, and some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock, this is funny, but nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. Pay close attention. He does address it, but he doesn't argue with him. He does not try to make a point. Like he does not try to like, like, oh, I'm finna work on these folks. They hard and hard. Let me, let me, let me put my gloves on and go to work. Like that ain't what he doing. He's not trying to argue their case. He sees that they just ain't trying to hear it. And as we become the church that God intended and we on, we're on the mission that God has given all of us, we also have to take the principle from this, the application that we can take from this is, listen, you're going to have to deal with both and it's okay. Our job is to share the good news. Our job is to not save anybody. Don't don't not sow the seed because you see re you see rejection or you see uh, uh, people coming against what you know to be true, what you know saved your life, what you know Holy Spirit is telling you to share. I want to start right here and I want to go over this really quick. So um, I talked earlier about just a minute ago about the fact that baptism in the Holy Spirit and being filled are two different things. And we see this in the text. They said they were baptized and filled. 
And what I want to say is, and what I want to submit to us uh, to just really not jot down and really take in and think about is being baptized in the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit are two different things. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is what happens when you are and when you accept Jesus Christ and uh, you repent of your sin, you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Like that's what happens then. Being filled is totally different. And how we can see that they're different just in the book of Acts is now they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But in chapter four at the top, chapter four or five, after Paul um, and, and some of the disciples are arguing with, or not arguing, but they're they're being accused of being false prophets and and and, and uh, the religious leaders are trying to get them to be kicked out of the city. And Gamaliel came, comes and say, hey, listen, what you don't want to do is come and get somebody that really is real. Like if if something happens, let them they going to fall away just like the last people that tried to do this stunt and tried to act like they were big and that they knew all of this stuff. They're going to fall away and be killed just like them. Let them go. And they come back to the to the body of believers and they pray for the Holy Spirit to fill them, to refill them. So refilling is something that, that continues to happen. Like, I don't know about y'all, but I pray pretty much every morning, like, will you refill me with your power, with your boldness to do the things in which you called for me to do? So I just want to decipher that for us as well. All right. And so, um, so Peter says this, he, 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 first of all, he addresses what's going on. Listen, they're not drunk. First of all, it's too early for that. It's too early to be drinking. And then he says, he gives them a prophecy. Do you remember long ago what Joel predicted? It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Y'all just seen this. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit among, uh, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord uh, of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So he gives them prophecy. First of all, that those that are Jews and also that were converts to Judaism, they were learning. Like they knew these these prophecies. And we'll see that as well later on. Like they knew what he was talking about. And so he gives them the prophecy of Joel that this was going to happen and y'all just seen it happen. So the question of what is this, like what's going on? Y'all knew y'all just, y'all just wasn't like y'all, I guess didn't believe that this is what it was going to look like. And so he gives them the prophecy. And then he says, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazareth, the one that y'all seen doing everything by by uh, doing powerful uh, miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. Y'all seen this all happening. Y'all seen Jesus doing what he, what he was doing when he was in Jerusalem. A lot of y'all rejected him, which we're going to find out. He says, but God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. So just think about this. Think about us being in like a church or something or like us, like we're being somewhere all together and we, we hear 
our language is being spoken in another place. We go in Russian, we're like, man, what's going on? What is happening? Some of us like, yeah, they drunk. And Peter begins or somebody begins to prophesy things that we knew before we crucified Jesus, before we did what we did to Jesus. We knew what the word said. What we have learned all along and a lot of us have memorized. And then Peter then says, listen, not only was that going to happen, that just happened, but since y'all know that is true, also you need to know this. The same one that you was just denying, that you were just spitting on, that you were just betraying, that you were just going against, that you were just trying to kill, trying to run off of a mountain because of all the good works he was doing and the fact that he was telling y'all that he's the Messiah, that he's the one that got sent. That man was literally the man that he said he was. And y'all, with the help of the Gentiles, just crucified him. God knew that it was going to happen. Like he prearranged him to be betrayed. And y'all played a part in crucifying him. He's literally giving them the gospel. He's sharing with them what happened in real time. It just happened. They just seen Jesus going into ascending. And he's now sharing with them for the first time the gospel message. And so for the first time for Peter, and he says this, he says, uh, but God released him from the horrors of death. So he did die. Y'all nailed him to the cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life for death could not keep him in grips. King David said this about him. They know these things. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder why, no wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead and allow your, your holy one to rot in the grave. You have sh shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. They hear these things and they know these things. These are things that they know. They're Jews. And listen what he says. He says, uh, dear brothers, this is Peter still. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself. For he died and was buried in his tomb and still there among us. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future I lost my place. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. And he was saying that God would not leave him among the dead and allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead and we all witnessed this. Now he is exalted in the, in the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the, and the father, as he said, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. Yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit, in, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So I really, I really love this because what this does is it paints the picture on, Peter literally gives us a picture on how we go about sharing the gospel. 
So he, he says, listen, if you have to address some things, address them. Don't argue, but address them. And then after that, our goal is to just share the gospel message. And this is the thing that we can take from this. What he's telling the Jews is the same thing that we did. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. We came in this world as sinners. The, 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 the price and the death that Jesus died was for us. It was so that we could have the ability to receive the free gift of salvation, the grace gift of salvation, to be reconciled back with our Father. So he's telling these men, listen, you rejected him in now time, like you just rejected him. All that he was saying was completely true. But the death that he died, which was prophesied, that death that he died was actually for you. Like Peter literally gives us in this message, the gospel message. It's just in a way that's like explained to people that really live this, like live this real time. Like they really live this out. And he's giving them this gospel message and watch what happens. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced the hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? This is a beautiful picture of what the God, what, what happens when the gospel is preached. Now, it doesn't say every one of them came, but it does say 3,000 of them did. And as we become the church that God intended, we have to take the stance of Peter when we're doing the mission and the work that God has called all of us to do which is share the good news. It's about us coming to share the goodness of God, what God has done by sending his son to die the death that we all deserved so that we can live the life that God intended us to live from the beginning in communion with him. When the gospel is shared in the way in which the gospel has been given us given to us to share, people's hearts can be pierced. The Holy Spirit can do what he does. And so it says, um, they. so I want to also like bring this to light. These are the same people that earlier was like, what is going on? Like, what are y'all doing? Like, how is this even, like, what, what's going on? How's this happening? To Peter, letting them know how this, why this is happening. God said this would happen. This was prophesied. Not only was it prophesied, we all seen Jesus doing what he was doing. Not only that, we seen him be resurrected. He was with us. They're giving their personal testimony. He was with us. Not only that, what y'all just seen, what Holy Spirit just did to get us to this moment was also prophesied. He said that would happen. And y'all just seen it. And now they're like, brother, what, what do we do? Like, what does it, how can we make this decision? Their hearts are pierced. 
And Peter's words were this, each of you must repent of your sins, change your mind and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is promised to you, to your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, uh, strongly urging all he uh, all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. What would the church look like if we all took our part in sharing the good news with those that are, that are asking what is what is that and i wanted to make that so practical that that what is that doesn't have to mean that they've seen you know you speaking in an un, a, a unknown language to you but a known language to them it could be that person in the store that's like oh it's something about you like what I don't know. Like I don't know what that is, but it's like it's some about you. Like, why you got so much joy? Why you got so much peace? Why, bro? I remember you from high school. Like your life was like you was, mm, but now like your life totally different. What is that? Like all these times that we don't even think about that could be Holy Spirit moment time. Think about those times. I know I've had them in my life where like things happen and like in your heart it's just something. Like you can feel yourself, like it's just something different. Like, and you feel like the Holy Spirit speaking to you, like share, like you need to say, like share, share. Those are the times that look just like this. Again, I don't want us to get caught up on the honest of this, even though there's all there, that this happened how it happened the first time. But this literally happens to us throughout our life. And those are the moments that we could easily be being led by the Holy Spirit to share the good news because that's what he commissioned us to do. That's what Jesus literally told us to do as his disciples, as believers in Jesus Christ, as being the church that God intended. One of our main, really our main purpose as being the church is to go share the gospel. And see lives See Holy Spirit convict hearts and see lives come to Christ. All right. This last portion here. All right. And so we've talked about this last portion here as far as community. I think this is beautiful, though, what is written here, because it gives us some practicality of what our community should look like. And as we talk about this and look at this, I want y'all to gauge and I want y'all to be honest. Like if it doesn't look how if it doesn't look like that then please tell us, like, we want to be the church that God intended. So we do have things that we need to work on, but we have to address those things and be willing to, to work on them, right? And so this is what it says. It says, all the believers were devote, devoted themselves to four things, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of in meals, the Lord's Supper, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So we already talked about one earlier. So they devoted themselves. They 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 allowed. They made sure that that was the desire. Like that's what they devoted to do. Like that was their desire. To the apostles' teaching, to the word, to the breaking down, to the dividing of scripture. 
How important is the word in our community? For all of us. Because community is not just me, it's not just Angie, it's not just Kaya. But how important is the word in our community? It should start with us, but how important is it? How important is fellowship to us? Now we're online, but let's also note that a lot of us are in the same place. By a show of hand, or just throw it in the chat, who's all in who's all in Texas? Some of us are in Houston, some of us are in Dallas. Now, fellowship does happen with us on Thursdays, on Saturdays, on Sundays, but I encourage y'all as well, go have lunch. I know I see Elaine and Narissa um, going out and at the aerial sometimes as well, but let's try to fellowship with each other. The more we fellowship, the more we come together, the more we grow as, as one, as a community. So they devote to fellowship to doing life together. It doesn't have to be just coming together. It could be a phone call. It could be a Zoom call. It could be whatever it is. It could be our, our, our sessions when we do come together as one whole body, right? I know Kaya is in Seattle, right? And so we come together, all right? And so fellowship, also sharing in meals. If we coming together, we gotta be, you gotta be eating something. Don't call me. And y'all ain't trying to eat nothing. So sharing your meals, fellowshipping, including the Lord's Supper, which is what we, we definitely do that on the first of every uh, Sunday at eight with Elaine on prayer session, which is important, which we want to talk about that one time. That's so deeper than what we what we what we talk about as um, Christians. But we'll talk about that at one point. And then also to prayer, which we do a lot of that. But I want to encourage us, even myself, to come more to commune with one another in prayer. Right? Even if you got a dip, you can't be there the whole time because sometimes we do be praying for a long time, and I love it. But let's all encourage ourselves to 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 come together as a community to pray more together. If that's Wednesday, if that's Thursday, if that's Saturday, if that's Sunday. More so Saturday. I mean, more so Sunday, uh, Thursday, and Wednesday. All right. And so those are four things that they hinged on. They hinged on coming together, getting the word, fellowship and doing life together, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and also prayer as a community. And because of that, listen to what happened. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Generosity was a was 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 a, was something that the house did. It was something that was just embedded in their community. They sold their property and possession and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It was in them doing the things in which made them one community that led to their lives being blessed 
and them being able to enjoy generosity, joy, fellowship, prayer, the word, to let others to be able to come into their community and be saved. This is the church that we want to intend to become because we see the fruit that got from them. If our, if our intention is to see lives changed, to see lives saved and changed, to build big people, not just big churches, here's the format. We rightfully divide the word. We fellowship. We share in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and we pray. We allow generosity to be what the house does, what we do. And we take these things serious so that our lives are not just blessed, but other people come to ask, what is that? What's going on? Like, how do y'all, how do y'all be doing all that? Like, why does it look like y'all have so much fun over here and y'all like joy, peace? Like what, how do y'all get that to their lives to be able to be saved and join the community? All right. And so listen, two chapters. I know I got a lot out of it. And I pray that y'all did as well. And so what I want to do is I want to close this out. Um, and I want to make a point that I didn't make earlier. So let's go back. I didn't make this point, but I, I have to make it. And so when we talk about the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, them being baptized and being filled, I want to make this point that I want you to, to take, if you don't take anything else. The language was different. They all spoke in different languages for different people that were coming but the message was the same. May we not get stuck on the language, but may we all get stuck on the message. How it's packaged, how it's done. They all spoke in different languages, but the message was the same. And so the fruit from the message was blessed, 3,000 plus saved. So let us not get stuck on the language. Let us get stuck on the message. And the message is the gospel, the good news of Jesus. All right, and so I want to pray us out and we are going to transition. And so before I do so, I want to go